0: Okay, so we're in a series called The Blessed Life. And last week, we talked about the principle of first. This week's message, the title is The Principle of Treasure. I want you to go with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. In this message series, our goal, my, my goal is to help you understand what it looks like to actually live a blessed life. There's a lot of information out there about how you can get blessed by God, but I'm gonna give you the secret ingredient right here, right now. It's one word, obedience, obedience. That's how you live in the blessing of the Lord. And so this whole series has been about how do we obey and what are some principles and things that we should live by. In Matthew chapter 13, we're gonna read just a single verse that I've based this message on today. And it's a parable. In Matthew chapter 13, throughout there, Jesus lists several parables. And if, you're, if you've got your Bible open, you can see there are headings there. And you'll see that the phrase continues to appear that says the kingdom of heaven is like. In verse 44, it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Lord, I ask that you would reveal yourself to us today through your word and through the principles that we learn. God, we ask that in this moments of reverence together, that you would speak to each one of our hearts. Lord, apply your word to us today. Help us to feel convicted, not condemned. And Lord, let us feel your grace moving us forward. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. There's a traditional understanding of this parable, and you can leave that verse on the screen for us. There's a traditional understanding of this parable that is to say that the kingdom is the treasure and that we find the treasure. If we're smart, we find the treasure, and then we're not going to be wicked, so we're not going to just take it, steal it, and walk away with it and try to sell it and get a high price for it. We're going to do an honest thing. We're going to cover it up, and then we're going to go do the right thing. We're going to sell everything we own, and then we're going to purchase that field. The Bible actually uh, tells us very clearly, if we're reading with our eyes wide open, That there are three errors with that understanding. And I want to share those with you right now. Because the kingdom of heaven cannot be found by you. It is truly not that you found God. It is that he found you, amen, at the right time. You also can't hide it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Come on, sing with me. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. So here's the thing. As believers, we can tend to hide our light at different times. I don't know about you, but I was a teenage believer, and there are some moments that I probably hid my light and should have let it shine really bright. There are times even that we're guilty after being veteran believers that we shy away from letting our light shine. But the truth of the the word of God is that you can't hide the kingdom of God. There is no thing, literally no thing, no enemy, no thing that can actually hide the kingdom of God here on the earth. And the truth is you can't buy it. I don't know if you remember the story, but there's someone who tried to buy it in the New Testament. He walks around and he sees the apostles and disciples doing amazing things and he says, hey, how much much does this special power cost? You can't buy it. If the treasure here represents the kingdom, we can't find it without God finding us. The Bible tells us that we love him because he first loved us, amen? While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. I love that part of my message last week. I don't say that to toot my own horn, but to say this. The thought behind that, the fact that God in his grace and goodness didn't wait to see who would come. He sent his son regardless of who would come. He sent him in order for us to understand that we are sinners in need of a savior Even with Adam and Eve, God sought them out. So the point is we can't find the kingdom of God on our own. You can't hide it, as I said. And the third thing is you definitely can't buy it. It's not for sale. And even if it were, and you were the richest person on the earth, you couldn't buy it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. The kingdom of heaven, read the verse again, is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered up, then in his joy goes and sells all that belongs to him, all that he has, and buys that field. This parable is not about us attaining the kingdom of God. I want you to understand today. It's not about us doing enough or giving up enough in order to attain the kingdom of God. I wanna tell you what the parable really means. The truth of it is the field that's mentioned is the world. The man mentioned is Jesus because he is God's son, the son of God, Jesus Christ, who gave it all in order to buy us, to purchase us. And the treasure is you. You are the treasure of God. How many of you have ever felt devalued by something someone said? Think about that. You felt devalued. You have a value in the creator's eyes that doesn't wane. You're not the stock market. Can I get political for a second you're not the gas prices going up and down on the whim of whoever chooses whatever your value has been established before you arrived this is why it's so important that the church of jesus christ talk about the worth and value of human life when we think about things like abortion, euthanasia, assisted suicide, those sorts of things, it robs the value of human life and God treasures you. If you walk away with nothing else today, walk away with that truth deeply planted in your heart that no matter the sin that you've partaken in or committed, no matter your past, no matter where you came from, God loves you and calls you his treasure. That's powerful when you really let it sink in. So point number one is this. It's a question. What is the treasure of the kingdom? The treasure of the kingdom is people. People are. Look at what 1 Corinthians 6 says in verse 19 and 20. It says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Amen. God paid the price for you. So this is not a parable about you doing something in order to obtain the kingdom. This is a statement helping us understand that Jesus did everything he could literally in order to obtain you. He did something unimaginable to get you. He paid the price of his own life. He found us. He went looking for us. The Bible says that God created us and he wants us in his family That's why we're excited to celebrate baptisms, because that's a simple act that's made public where it demonstrates our faith that says, yes, I am a member in the family of God. This water over here is not magic. It doesn't save you. I can sprinkle each one of you with it and nothing's going to change. Your skin's not going to change. Your life direction won't change. But there is a moment of significance in the spiritual journey of every person. And I believe you say, Pastor, do you have to be water baptized to go to heaven? No, but it'd be great if you would. I think God in his goodness understands, hey, you got saved today at church and didn't have a spare change of clothes with you and you didn't get in the water, but you passed away. Yes, you're in the kingdom of God. You've accepted the son of God as your salvation and as your Lord. Water baptism is just icing on top of that to say, yes, I am a believer. Yes, I'm declaring my faith. And the coolest thing is this. The two individuals getting baptized today are children who've made a decision, who spoke with their parents, who, who have said, I want to be water baptized and follow Jesus. That is powerful. Amen? That is amazing. So you and I are a treasure of God's. In Exodus chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 7, if you're taking notes, you just write down those references. You can find this phrase that God declares to the people of Israel, and he says this, you are a special treasure to me. Those words apply to us being grafted into the kingdom of God in the here and now, in the year 2000. Wow, what year is this? 2022. It's going so fast. It's going so fast. They lied to me when I was young and they said, time flies when you're having fun. No, it just flies. (laughs) It's just, there are lots of days I haven't had fun and it still flies by. The Bible tells us that God has reconciled the world to himself and not counted their sins against them. It's up to each one of us to make the decision to accept that free gift of salvation. You have two choices regarding God's gift of salvation. You can either accept his love or reject it. And I'm thankful that the people who are coming today to be water baptized have both accepted it. I wanna tell you, if you're listening to this message later on the podcast, if you're watching on Facebook Live, if you're in this very room today, I want to tell you it is extremely simple to accept God's free gift of salvation. It really is. You first have to admit that you're a sinner. This is hard. How many of you have ever found it hard to admit you're wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I hope no spouses elbowed each other. Um but I do see some eye rolls and things like that. You should, you should see from my view some Sundays. It's, it's funny. But it, it's hard, and don't look over at my wife right now. It's hard for some people to admit that they're wrong. She's, she's pointing at me, and I might be thinking of her. But the first thing is this, admitting that you're a sinner, that you've broken God's law. The second step is believing That God loves you, values you, treasures you, and so much so that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross, but not to stay dead, to resurrect from the grave, to prove to us that he lives forever and we too shall live with him. That is amazing, but you've got to believe it. And then the third step is so simple, simple stated, but difficult to live out. And that is you must follow Christ. You must follow him and give him your life. It's been said that you can determine the value of something by what someone is willing to pay for it. I paid a lot of money at the gas station this morning. (laughs) I don't value gas that much, but I value getting to where I need to go. And so I pay what I have to pay. You know, back in 2016, 2016, there was an auction at an auction house in New York. It's a famous auction house called Christie's. And they auctioned off several pieces, they call them that, of art that day. And it was a, uh, a special piece that fetched a very high price. The title of the piece is Salvatore Mundi. It was painted by Leonardo, not DiCaprio, (laughs) but Da Vinci. It holds the world record for the most expensive to date, the most expensive piece of art ever sold. It sold one painting, sold for $450 million. It took them 19 minutes of bidding in Bidding War in order to get to that final price. Do you wanna know something very interesting about that piece of work, that, that work of art? There are many experts that do not believe it's authentic. Yet someone paid over $450 million for it. I'm telling you, church, God values you, and he was willing to pay himself for you. And that is greater than $450 million. Amen? So what is a human worth? What are you worth? What are the people around you worth? The Bible says that we have a value that has been established from before we were born. I love how the prophet says that in the Old Testament. He says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. He knows our life. Hebrews chapter 12 verse two says this, Jesus being the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He bought the whole field with joy. He endured the suffering of the cross for the joy that was set before him, for the hope that you would join his family and be part of eternity with him. When you value something, you'll look for it. <laughs> Come on. I was talking to an older gentleman <clears throat> I'll let you try to figure out which one in the church that is, but he was talking to me about a cool little thing on his keys recently that helps him find them. As long as he keeps it on his keys, sometimes he unclicks his key from the keychain and then you can't find the thing, but when you don't don't reveal your identity. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you value something, you'll look for it. How many of you have ever lost a key and you looked for it? You lost a ring and you looked for it. It's because you value that thing and you're looking for it. You know why God found you? Because he was looking for you. Even from the moment in the garden when God comes down for his daily appointment, it's not that God lacked knowledge of their whereabouts. But he said, Adam, Eve, where are you? He wanted them to know, I'm looking for you. He values you, people are the treasure of the kingdom. Here's point number two, it's a question. What is the treasure of your heart? I was talking with someone recently and they were talking about something that happened in a movie, a man protecting his family. And there was this conversation that happened between the two of us of what length would you go to for your family? Truly, I mean, if you've really thought about that, I'd jump in front of a truck, train, I'd take a bullet. I mean, I think any of us would for the family that we know and love. But there are other things in our life that we treasure. And I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Some of us treasure our name, some of us treasure our career, some of us treasure a lot. There's a lot that could be treasured. But look at what Matthew chapter 6 says. It says in verse 19, Jesus speaking, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves cannot break in and steal. Verse 21 is very important. Read it slowly with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've heard people misquote this many, many times. I've even heard pastors misstate it. I've heard people say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. That is not the words that are printed in our Bible. It is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I put treasure, money treasure, into purchasing my very first handgun years ago. And you know what? All of a sudden, I started putting more investment in that. I went and got a membership to a gun range. I started buying things so that I could shoot them. (laughs) Targets, okay? Um, I, I know, everybody's like, what is he, where is he going with this? Gun ownership or not, wherever you stand on that, conservative, liberal, hear me out and just understand this. I put treasure in it, and I told my wife it was so I could learn to protect my family, but it's really fun, <laughs> okay? It's really fun. That's a side, side effect. And then my heart started going. Then all of a sudden, I I'd like, was going through the airport. And I said, well, what magazine should I buy for this flight? Oh, guns and ammo. Let's look at this. You know, and just you start to develop. And then all of a sudden, your heart starts going in the direction that your investment has already gone in. See, we get it backwards and we think that we got to have the touchy feely, that really good moment to capture our heart. And then we'll be putting our treasure there. That's not what the Bible says. It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Our heart will always follow our treasure. When you put your treasure in something, your heart will follow it. I want to say it this way. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom of God, you've got to put your treasure there. This is not me pleading you to write a bigger check today for the offering. This is me explaining the principle of God's word about what the kingdom of God truly is, that God values humans and that where our treasure is matters. So there's a check, not a written check, but a check, a check of our heart. Every single time we have a paycheck or we get a gift and we are the recipient of something, of a kindness from someone, then we have the moment of giving all, Opportunity and praise to God for the gift that has been received, and to give Him praise for that because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says. Worship team, would you come? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, to the, the believers there in Corinth, and he says this, just point blank. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully or generously will also reap generously. Verse 7, each one must give as he or she has decided, decided in their hearts, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver verse 8 and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency that means God has all supply in all things and at all times you may abound in every good work this is about giving about sowing and reaping, about planting and receiving back, not being stingy or reluctant or under compulsion, but joyfully giving. I gave you the example last week of when we talk to our kids or we have the discussion with our spouse about what we're going to give, and they say, what? What? How, how much are you going to give to the church? You're going to give that? Well, you can share with them and say, I once was blind. But now I see, I once was living a life of sin, but God saved me, I owe him my life. And it's a joy to give back, amen? I give it to him, not humans, but I give it to him. I love what verse 10 says, and we can keep the music down kind of low because I've got a minute, okay? He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed. Church, listen to me. He is the supplier but not only that, the Bible says He is the multiplier. He supplies you the seed to sow and He multiplies your seed for sowing and it says, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. The law The principle of sowing and reaping works financially, it works in your marriage, it works in your career, it works with your relationship with your boss, it works with your relationship with your kids. What you sow is what you will reap. So make it count and make it something amazing. Look at what verse 11 continues to say. Paul declares this to the church and he says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will provide thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. God is the supplier and the multiplier. The question I ask you in the second point is this where is the treasure of your heart? What is the treasure of your heart? Do a heart check today and just honestly and vulnerably before the Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you where the treasure of your heart is. It's an important question that we should all ask. Remember the parable that I shared as we opened, that a man for joy sold all that he had, put his all into purchasing that field. And that's what God did for us. He bought us with joy. Amen? I want to move into the moments of baptism here in just a moment, but I want to explain and express to you the importance of what we're about to do. I know I shared with you in the message a few minutes ago, If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. It is as simple as admitting you're a sinner, believing that he is your Savior, and making him your Lord, following him with your life. If that's you, I'm gonna give you a moment of where we're quietly reflecting. I'm gonna give you a moment to pray a simple prayer that allows that door to open up to him. But for those that that doesn't apply to you, you say, Pastor, I'm a believer. I've been a believer for a long time. I'm visiting today from another church. I'm here supporting my family, whatever the case may be. Vulnerably before the Lord in the presence of God, let him deal with this, the status of your heart. Let him speak to that place where you could increase your sowing. If you've been grumbling and complaining about what you've been reaping in return, maybe be convicted by the Holy Spirit today to say, God, help me be a joyful giver, whatever it is that you're giving or that you're dealing with in the sowing. Is your treasure in the house of God, in your serving, with your time, your talent, your treasure? Are there tensions in your life or temptations that are drawing you away from keeping your treasure in the right place? Holy Spirit, I pray that in your grace and your kindness, you would deal with us favorably today. Lord, forgive us for putting our treasure in other places. forgive us for devaluing your kingdom forgive us Lord for not keeping you in that place of being first and Lord help today be the start of something brand new and wonderful for each and every one of us in your presence and in your name we pray Amen